In the early 20th century, as European powers were locked in the never-ending death fest that was the Western Front of World War I, a young English intelligence officer was organizing and leading an Arabic army in their fight against the oppressive Turkish government. What followed was a tale of military genius, the horror of war, and political betrayal. Grab a drink and join us on this episode of 100 Proof History that we like to call Lawrence of Arabia. The little guy just can't win. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Hello, listener. Hola. No. No? It's not on theme, Chris. (laughs) Not on theme. Sorry. Uh, I just didn't know how to follow that up. Uh, yeah. Hello, listener. How was that? Was that better? <laughs> nailed it, dude. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. I'm your host, Greg. Oh, he's just dropped the main. He's just the host. Well, I guess I'm the co-host then. Chris, hello. You can also be the host. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I feel like I demean you a lot. Uh, I put you into these roles, these cuck roles. You would think that'd be a problem, but uh, it's kind of my thing. Kind of enjoy it. You know, not only not only is it a, a, a sexual thrill, but it also kind of takes some burden off me. I don't actually have any responsibility. I can just kind of show up and suck at this, and everybody's like, well, he's he's just the co-host. It's fine. He doesn't really play that much of a role. <laughs> yes, I do have the weight of the world on my shoulders <laughs> doing this show. Yeah, so welcome into 100 Proof History. Uh, today we are talking about Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to remind you guys to check out our website, 100proofhistory.com where you can check out our Instagram, and right now we're having a pretty sweet-ass contest. You can go find the details there. Win you some H.H. Holmes swag. That's right. We have a decent amount of entries so far, but uh, I think we're going to keep it open a little while longer just to get a good wide berth mm. of entries. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wide berths, uh, I was like a 10-pound baby. Do you remember what you were? Well, not remember. <laughs> were you ever told and then remember what you were? <laughs> no, I, I do remember. I was... I was nine pound baby, and I came out, and I was just like, man, I am so fucking fat. Look at me. Can't even do a sit up right now. Just pinching your own stomach. <laughs> oh, God, <stop> crying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you'd like over drink your milk serving that night. Mm-hmm. You just won't get off the tit, you know? No, like, I... <sighs> it's a shame spiral. Like the the guy on the couch just eating the fucking bucket of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Like old uh, Sherman Clump and the Nutty Professor, just pouring fucking M and M's in his mouth on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a horrible cycle. I, you know, I'm fat because I eat and it makes me sad, and the sadness makes me eat, which makes me fat. So, you know, just keep going round and round. It's funny because you're very skinny, very sexy, I might add. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know where that came from? What? Ooh. Well, just to pull back the curtain a little, uh, I know last week we were in the studio together. This week, we are not. Back on the road again. Yeah, so what we like to do is we like to, after the show's over and we give it a listen, we exchange notes. You know, just little things we think the other person can improve on. It's not supposed to be super critical. Uh, you know, it's just it's just helping us make the show better. Uh, Greg handed me a piece of paper and it said, get the fuck out. So, I'm not really taking it personally. I think there's there's probably some way it's making the show better uh, somehow. I don't really know, but uh, I think that's the only way, Chris. <laughs> Just gonna have a one man army from here on out. Yeah. Today we are talking about Lawrence of Arabia, T. E. Lawrence, and 
If you've seen some movies about him, you might think you know the story. And you probably do. Well, have a good one, everyone. (laughs) See you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Well, no, just kidding. Um, Our main source today is Lawrence in Arabia by Scott Anderson. I liked the book. I don't think Chris did. Uh, Well, I had the same problem with this book I had with The uh, Devil in the White City with H.H. Holmes. Oh, just getting lost in the minutiae? Yeah, or like, you know, I'd be like, what the fuck is Lawrence doing right now? Like, I don't, what are these guys? Yeah. There's a lot of added stories. Um, they kind of, they all come together and they all play a role in the story. It all makes sense. It ties it in. But I'm just like, what's Lawrence in Arabia doing right now while I'm learning about Zionist Jews trying to find a homeland? You know, stuff like that. So, well, the thing that I like about this book, as opposed to Devil in the White City, that I didn't much care for, that was our book that we did read on H. H. Holmes, is that all of these stories were characters of this overall main story of T. E. Lawrence. Yeah. And so I can relate with characters. Devil in the White City, I didn't give a shit about the infrastructure of the Chicago World's <laughs> Fair or just all the things going on with the city or world politics and all that at the time. I didn't care about that. Right. I wanted to know about the fucking pussy murder castle yes. that H.H. H. Holmes had. Right. Exactly. Well, what are you having to drink today, sir? Uh, today I'm having Colonel E.H. Taylor, small batch bourbon. Okay. Uh, I chose it because I feel like everybody in olden times had, uh, they went by their first two initials. Yeah. Just arbitrarily. So we got a E.H. Taylor. We're talking about T.E. Lawrence. T.E. Lawrence would eventually rise to the rank of colonel. Oh, there you go. Colonel E.H. Taylor wasn't really a colonel. But, <laughs> you know. Well, technic- so there you go. Boom. Yeah. Technically, <laughs> neither, neither was Lawrence. He kind of just made the shit up. But yeah, I'm good with it. He was promoted to colonel. Yeah, but he started as a lieutenant, which he just basically said... Well, that was made up. (laughs) Sure. But he was legit promoted to colonel. What are you drinking? So, it is hard to find a whiskey, as you just demonstrated, that ties into the Eastern Front Ottoman Empire, because a lot of Arabs, you know, the overwhelming vast majority of Arabs, don't drink. Unless you go to Dubai. Then they just pretend they don't drink. And they all do. (laughs) It's like the old joke, uh, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist? The Methodist will say hello to you in the liquor store, because, mm. you know, they're all doing it anyway. Anyway! So if you take a Baptist fishing, how do you keep them from drinking all your beer? Invite another Baptist. Well, you ruined it. Cool. <laughs> Nobody cares that you knew the joke, Chris. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, yeah, so not a lot ties in. So what I did was I just looked up some cocktails and stuff that might tie in. And I am drinking a blood and sand cocktail. Uh, it has scotch in it, but it's covered up with a lot of sweet stuff like uh, cherry liqueur, orange juice, sweet vermouth. It's pretty good. It gave me. It gives me a good way to get rid of that uh, Johnny Walker Black that I'm not too fond of. I can just bury it underneath sugar. It's very thick and syrupy, kind of like my urine. You know, so. Whoa. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, you know a better way to get rid of Johnny Walker Black, actually? How's that? Flush it down the fucking toilet. <laughs> Instead, you're forcing yourself to drink it. Oh. My drink tie-in's better. I'm having a better time, Chris. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh. It sounds like it. You don't sound angry at all. <laughs> well, are you ready to talk about T.E. Lawrence, the man, the myth, the legend? More ready than you'll ever be in your entire life. Probably true. Let's find out, listener. (laughs) 
Thomas Edward Lawrence was born on August 16, 1888, in Wales. His dad's name was actually Thomas Chapman. Old Daddy Tom had been a wealthy man, but then he started having sex with his kid's nanny, and his wife said, It's either me or the nanny. So naturally, he gave up his fortune, ran off of the nanny, and took on her last name. Nanny must have been a bombshell. No kidding. Or she had a penis, and Daddy Tom had a big secret. <laughs> Well, to abandon your family in 1880s Great Britain to have sex with the help was just a huge scandal. Unlike today, where it's, yeah, whatever, it's Tuesday. It happens. And the Lawrence family had to move around a lot to keep from being found out. Because he had to switch schools often and spent most of his free time at home, T.E. Lawrence, or Ned, as his family called him, grew up not really developing strong friendships or really caring about socializing. Yeah, because basically if someone found out that Daddy Tom was an adulterer and T.E. Lawrence was a bastard, he wouldn't be able to get into like the more prestigious schools. Right. So it would actually hamper his life because of the sins of his father sort of thing. And we have another case of someone not being named Ned being called Ned, like we had Ned Kelly. Very common nickname back then. Yeah, so my head headcanon now is his full name is Tedward Edward Nedward Lawrence. Hmm, okay. Well, his shyness was made worse by the fact that when he was 15, he stopped growing at somewhere between 5 foot 3 and 5 foot 5, and he would never weigh more than 130 pounds. So instead of playing the sports with the other boys, Lawrence spent his childhood constantly testing his limits. He'd see how far and fast he could ride his bike. He'd see how long he'd go without food or sleep. He'd try and grab the golden grams off the middle shelf of the grocery store. It's just adorable to watch. <laughs> He'd binge-watched The Big Bang Theory, and that's not so adorable to watch. Basically, he tortured himself to build up his stamina and his ability to endure pain. I did this as a kid, but Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you ever tried to test your limits as a kid. But, you know, I'd learn about things like Gandhi. Mm -hmm. God damn, that sounds hard. And like, all right, what's something that I could face that I fucking hate? And... This is a true story, by the way. This is okay. It's funny. Listen to this. <laughs> uh, but I did it by like scraping my fingers on the chalkboard, which just ugh, <laughs> thinking about it like gives me goosebumps. Yeah. But I just wanted to see how long I could do it, you know, without stopping. Mm-hmm. Like maybe two or three seconds before it was just like God, like almost yeah. started hurting. Yeah. Like, my body. Yeah, I similarly tested my endurance by not having sex for forty-three years. So. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know. You're good, man. I'm pretty proud of that one. (laughs) Well, following high school, Lawrence enrolled in Oxford University to study history. What a fucking idiot. He was a big fan of the Middle Ages, specifically the Crusades, and thought he'd be super fun to spend his entire life studying those topics professionally. Sounds awful. Yeah, who would care about that shit? Anyway, here's some more of that shit. In 1909, in order to write his thesis, Lawrence decided to walk across Syria to study the castles of the Crusaders. His professors tried to talk him out of walking 1,100 miles on dilapidated old Roman roads through a country that wasn't super fond of Europeans in the middle of summer when it was 120 degrees in the shade. But Lawrence just handed his professor a thimble full of liquid and said, Hold my beer! And did it anyway. You know, because he's like a munchkin from Wizard of Oz. (laughs) (laughs) They were so impressed that in 1910, they asked Lawrence to join an archaeological expedition to Carchemish in northern Syria. It was in Carchemish that Lawrence fell in love with the Arabic people. Ooh, polyamorous, I see. I've heard of multiple partners, but an entire ethnicity? Mm-hmm. Man, lucky guy. That's, that's pretty impressive, given his, his stature, that he has that kind of endurance. Anywho, 
Those that worked for him noted that not only had he learned to speak their language, but he was also the first European who actually got to know them and asked about their families. Just, you know, good boss shit 101, like, get to know your workers. <laughs> he also might have fallen in love with one particular Arab, a man by the name of Dahum, who had worked as Lawrence's assistant. Just banging the secretary. Oh, uh, Dahum be hashtag me too in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, why don't you bend over and pick up that file, Dahum? <laughs> to whom do I have the pleasure of fucking? <laughs> Get it, to whom? No, no, don't talk back. Just smile. Shut your sexy mouth! <laughs> the two were inseparable, and in his autobiography, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, Lawrence would write a very loving dedication to someone named S.A. Sexy ass. Ooh, yeah. That was his pet name for to whom. <laughs> I was thinking he was, it was like some sort of like Hispanic thing where he's calling him his S.A., <laughs> so, Vatos locos forever, Holmes. <laughs> they do the Latin King's handshake with the two fingers. <laughs> uh, except the fingers go in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to coronate you right now. <laughs> uh, well, it just so happened that Dehum's actual name was Salim Ahmed, which, you know, S A. But their relationship and Lawrence's sexuality is all speculation, with some even thinking he was completely asexual. And some being me as well. Uh, he was also rumored to have been in a relationship with a fellow service member by the name of R.A.M. Guy. Ram Guy? Yeah, you can't make that shit up. Dude's <laughs> name was literally Ram Guy. <laughs> Seriously, it was R.A.M. Guy. <laughs> what the shit? Just falling into jokes. Yeah, there's also rumors that once he returned back from the Middle East, that he would pay one of his former service buddies to whip him, like beat him with whips and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like he may have been a From masochist. The torture that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, the RAM guy was somebody he was in, I think it was the uh, the RAF, the Royal Air Force. Right? Okay. Okay. So it was afterwards as well. Uh, who knows? And we'll get, like you said, we'll get to that in a minute. And it may have awakened, oh, I wish I, woken something in. I wish I knew. And had video evidence. You know what I'm <laughs> Just sit down with some popcorn. Me and the wife could watch it. Mm -hmm. Get some, you know, bonding time in. You know, if she'd ever get away from her boyfriend, that is. It it would be fun to watch because Lawrence was definitely a spinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well I wouldn't do that little body. Hold <laughs> down. That might be the creepiest thing I've ever said. <laughs> what I wouldn't do to that little body. We're going to take that out of context. That's going to be in the intro from yeah. now on. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Sit back. Relax. What I wouldn't do to that little body. <laughs> Maybe have a few drinks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Moving right along. <laughs> well, either way, Lawrence's experience in Carchemish, combined with his epic walk across Syria, had made him highly knowledgeable and the English government took notice. In 1914, he was contacted by the government, and he was asked to map and study the roads of Palestine. These roads were something that a force might use to cross from the Turkish Ottoman Empire to the Suez Canal in Egypt, which was controlled by the British at the time. Lawrence happily agreed, and his days as an archaeologist were over. Just months later, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, and World War I began. The Turks hesitated to enter the war, but the English knew that when the Turks did they'd likely join up on the German side. Lawrence wanted to join the fight, but the higher-ups said, Oh, how about you go work on an intelligence office and finish up those maps you're working on, Shorty McShortington? <laughs> 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 
Lawrence went to work in that office, and while he was there, the Ottoman Empire joined the war, and they joined up with the Germans, just as had been predicted. No, who could have seen this coming? Uh, no one. Oh yeah, all those people you just mentioned. That's yeah. Right. Makes sense. They hate Europeans for some reason. It's not like we spent like hundreds of years coming to their lands and murdering them. <laughs> What's this we shit? I'm an American, Chris. That's true. That's I bleed red, white, and blue. <laughs> you should see a doctor about but mainly that. red. Yeah. <laughs> VA won't cover it. I don't know why. <laughs> Lawrence never received any military training, and he never actually enlisted, but he dealt with a lot of military brass. One day, he brought some maps to a major who refused to accept any intelligence from someone who wasn't an officer. So, Lawrence left the room, found a lieutenant's uniform, and brought in the maps. And just like that, he was a lieutenant. That's all it takes. It's the same way I became an astronaut. Luckily, they kicked me off of the Challenger before it went off, but man. <laughs> I, I feel a well, little... I was pissed at the time. I feel a little guilty about the stuff, the changes I made while I was there. I don't, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> None of our listeners were alive back then. They don't care. <laughs> God. The Challenger blew up. What? For all of you that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what? I wasn't, I wasn't following the story after they kicked me off. I didn't... Oh, shit. I'm up my head. <laughs> In January of 1915, the Ottoman Empire decided to attack the Suez Canal. What the Suez Canal ever do to them? <laughs> well, just throwing rocks into it, trying to skip rocks over the Suez Canal. <laughs> Fuck yeah! It's like Caligula attacking the sea. I win. Fuck it. Suck it, Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lawrence knew exactly how this would play out. To get to the canal, the Turks had to cross 120 miles of open desert, which would exhaust them and give the Brits plenty of time to spot the advance and set up defenses. Just as Lawrence had thought, the Turks were soundly defeated and had to turn back. It was time for the British to go on the offensive. British are always getting offended about something, yeah. you know? I never, sir. My word. That is offensive. <laughs> I can only do Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> the fucking, yeah, the storybook British who does, reads <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I am offended. <laughs> Well, Tedward Edward was sure that a conventional war against the Turks wasn't in the best interest of English, and they should instead seek allies in the region who were tired of Ottoman rule. He proposed that the English land in Alexandretta, Syria. Now, Iskenderun, Turkey. I do like, back then, you know, things were still all named after Alexander, the Great, who had conquered basically the entire Middle East. But this one, yeah. he just decided to make the girl version. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm bored with this, you know, Alexander everywhere. What would it look like if I threw some eyelashes on this city? Oh, hello. What if I went and bought a pair of tits, y'all? <laughs> yeah. As a joke. Because he as said, said y'all. As yeah. a complete joke, yeah. Yeah, he's riding around <laughs> conquering all of Middle East wearing his cowboy hat and spurs and firing guns in the air. And tits. And tits. <laughs> he's basically Dolly Parton. <laughs> Lawrence believed that... But with a penis. The best <laughs> version of Dolly Parton. That's right. <laughs> Lawrence believed that landing in Alexandretta would spark Syrian and Armenian up... Armimium. Was it some unknown fucking element? Yeah. Armimium. Armimium. It's on the bottom part of the periodic table. Nobody knows what that shit is. <laughs> yeah, nobody pays attention to that crap. The bottom part of the periodic table is like... 
you know, you got the top part, it's all organized. Like when you're throwing shit in the kitchen, you know, it's like, oh, this goes over here, this goes over. And then you got the fucking junk drawer. Yeah. That's the bottom. <laughs> That's the bottom couple rows. rows of the periodic table that includes our mimium. And matches and twist tidians. <laughs> the Lawrence believed that invading Alexandretta would spark Syrian and Armenian uprisings in Turkey and give the English a foothold in the country. He also believed they could land by committing less than 20,000 troops, and the Turks, who hadn't developed railways or proper roads into Alexandretta, couldn't do shit about it. Easy win. We did it. Well, instead, the Brits said, What was that, Lawrence? Can't hear you from way down there. And launched an offensive into Gallipoli, <laughs> with the hopes of striking at the Ottoman capital and taking out the Turks in one fell swoop. Now, this entire battle is a show in its own right, so we're just going to say it went fucking terribly for the British, and they had to fall back. Lawrence would later learn there were only about a hundred men guarding Alexandretta, and the whole plan had been scrapped because the French wanted to claim Syria for themselves and didn't want the English getting there first. Dirty fucking French. At it uh, again. Yeah. After this story, uh, there were two people that really are two nations, nationalities that really fucking hated Lawrence, and it was the French and the Turks, and you know what? That just makes him more of a hero in my book. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Arabs in the Ottoman Empire began to organize under Sharif Hussein in Arabia. Hussein got in touch with the English and said, Hey bro, I'll be happy to fight for you guys down here, but you gotta let me keep the lands I take, or else I'm gonna have to take my people to fight for the Turks. And they said, Okay, cool, we'll help, just uh, tell us when you want to start the revolt. To which Hussein replied, Bro, we started it yesterday. Lawrence was sent to Arabia to meet with Hussein's son, Faisal, so that he might get a better idea of what they were working with. Lawrence found that the Arab forces were made up of highly disorganized tribes, but he believed that Faisal could be the man to lead them to glory by bringing them all together. Uh -huh. the same umbrella. And, you know, at the beach party, rubbing lotions on each other's <laughs> chests so they don't get sunburned. You yep. know, having a couple drinks. Who knows what things that could happen. You don't really know till you try. That is true. You gotta think the first guy that discovered the Sahara, he stumbles on, he's like, oh, sweet, a beach. Look at this. This is nice. <laughs> it's a fucking giant beach. Look at that sand. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to going down into the Gulf, Mexico. It's all rocky and shit. Yeah, this is fantastic. I can claim a seat anywhere here and just, you know, saunter down to the ocean 1,400 miles away. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence returned to Cairo and informed his superiors that Faisal was about to go on the move and said the English should send someone to act as an advisor along with him. The English decided to send a man named Stuart Newcomb, but he took too long to get there, so Lawrence said, fuck it, I'll do it myself, and joined up with Faisal on December 2nd, 1916. And, uh, little known fact, Stuart Newcomb was the grandfather of Duke Newcomb, <laughs> popularized by the 90s video game of the same name. I just imagine him, he's... Sitting around in his later years, and every time some sort of political thing happens where they're worried about unrest, and all these hillbillies are like, you know what we should do? We should nuke them. And he's like, oh, god damn, I hate my name's become this. This is who I am now. <laughs> and it's spelled N-E-W-C-O-M-B-E. -E. So. Exactly. You know. Yeah. That's, that's how we came to the conclusion he was Duke Nukem's grandfather. It makes sense. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, something was lost in translation when they came over uh, onto Ellis Island, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, the guy just writes it phonetically. 
Nuke him. Okay. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, this is not how... No, get the fuck out! <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm going to nuke your the country. fuck out! Welcome to America. <laughs> get your ass onto that yes. island! <laughs> You're going to see a lot more of this in my country for being different, so get the fuck in there. <laughs> Have a great fucking time! <laughs> God bless America! <laughs> God, love to see that guy's performance reviews. I want to be that guy. I want to see how long I can work at Disney World being that guy. You're gonna have a great fucking time. Just get in there. Get the fuck in there. Go ride some fucking horse. They try to put him under like in the goofy costume, and still just, <laughs> but it's just muffled. Get the fuck out there. Come give me a fucking hug. See him at the company picnic. It's like, oh fuck, Chuck's here again. <laughs> You like that potato sound, you fucking maggot? <laughs> Pussies on the pavement, start pushing. <laughs> when Lawrence arrived, he found out that shit had just fallen apart. He had long thought that the Arabs shouldn't attack the Turks directly, but Faisal had concocted a complicated four-army plan that relied on communication and supply lines that the Arabs could never have. But before his really bad plan could ever be kicked off, the Turks stumbled across an Arab force, launched some artillery, and soundly defeated them, causing large numbers of the Arabs to just give up the fight and fuck off back home. It was pure luck that when the Turks arrived at the port of Yenbo, the Brits lit up the area with naval searchlights, causing the Turks to flee out of fear that they were about to be shelled. Fucking lucky bastards. Yeah. They actually lost their frisbee. Like, oh, fuck, it's on the coast. What are we going to... Okay, well, let's just light up the whole thing. We'll we'll spot it. We'll get it back, guys. Turn them on. Oh, fuck! <laughs> oh, they're running. Yeah, it's just like, turn it on, and there's 20,000 Turkish guys just standing there, like, real still. Like, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> I was going to get that frisbee. I'm leaving now, though. Fuck you! This gave Lawrence some time. He came up with the idea to have Faisal attack the coastal city of Alwag. The English would land ships on the shores and unload about 500 Arab fighters while Faisal and Lawrence attacked from the land. When Faisal and Lawrence arrived, however, they found that Alwag was already a smoking ruin. The English had arrived first and had gotten bored with not blowing shit up, so they launched their own successful attack. The one good thing to come out of this failure was that Faisal came to enjoy Lawrence's company and ideas. So when Stuart Newcomb finally showed up to take Lawrence's spot, Faisal essentially told Newcomb to go fly a kite. And he's like, yay, no war for me! Shortly thereafter, British intelligence intercepted a telegram from the Turks saying that they intended to abandon the city of Medina and move their troops to more strategic defenses. The English wanted to use the Arab force to attack the Turks as they moved out of the city. Lawrence had a better idea. He knew that his force was better designed for lightning raids on poorly defended positions. Knowing that, he attacked vulnerable points on the railway leading into Medina, forcing the troops to stay inside the city while simultaneously disrupting their supply lines. To do so, he needed to get the other Arab tribes to join in. He led a small force to meet with Faisal's brother Abdullah to discuss the plan. Along the way, he contracted both malaria and dysentery, and his weight dropped into the double digits. Jesus, tiny little fucker. You know, we have it pretty good in modern times. Oh, do we? We don't really have to worry about malaria or getting dysentery and just constantly shitting all the time. No, we have to worry about Mexican food and beer yeah. and liquor that makes me do those same things. Hey, ladies. <laughs> Lawrence was lying in his tent feeling real sorry for himself when he heard a gunshot. When he emerged, he found that one of the men in his force had shot another member who was from a different tribe. The punishment for this was death, 
but since everyone was from different tribes, the only one who could perform the execution was Lawrence. So, you know, as somebody that's supposed to be neutral, he serves as Judge Judy and Executioner. <laughs> yeah, so what if he's not there, though? Then it's just like dominoes, like, oh, I shot this guy from this tribe, now their tribe gets to shoot my, and then my tribe gets to shoot them until it's just the last man standing there with a gun. He's like, I'm the victor! He comes, <laughs> <laughs> he comes back, Lawrence comes back from a day at the, you know, a day at the ocean on the beach, 1,400 miles away, and... <laughs> yeah. He walks back into camp and there's just a fucking thousand dead dudes with one guy just kicked back in a lawn chair. Oh, hi, T. <laughs> yeah, he's just eating some fucking Campbell soup out of the can. Just <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Runs over in some Daisy Dukes and gives him a hug. Yeah. Just surrounded by fucking death and flies and smell. <laughs> so, full disclosure, while you're gone, some stuff happened. Little bit of drama. We got it sorted out. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to have to make some adjustments to your plan. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Ooh, but looks like you got a good tan. <laughs> but then Lawrence is like, oh, so you killed someone from another tribe? Well, I guess that's it for you, buddy. And he pulls out the revolver and ends him, too. End of story. And then he's like, fuck, I killed somebody from a... <laughs> and then there's just a pile of fucking bodies. Nobody's, nobody ever knows what happened. This episode would be a lot different. Yeah. Well, Lawrence led the man into the valley and shot him in the chest, but not fatally. He said... You've learned your lesson. I'll patch you up and send you on your way. Yay! But, actually, as the man writhed in pain, the very sick Lawrence began to shake and fired again, hitting him in the wrist. Finally, Lawrence leaned over and shot the man in his head. He then went back to bed and collapsed. Hilarious. Sorry, guy, I'm just not good at this. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Imagine if you shot him like 20 times from all the shaking before actually getting the job done. Dude just yells at him like, let me do it myself, please. Like he just misses a few times like completely and he's like, are you just fucking with me? Is that what's happening? (laughs) Dance, dance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 15 days later, when he had recovered... Lawrence led an attack on a railway station at Abba el-Nam. It was an easy victory in which he only lost three men, and his troops were able to kill 70 Turkish soldiers. Lawrence was a bit pissy about it, because he knew it could have been a bigger victory had not one of his machine gun teams ran away when the fighting started, but it had proved to him that his lightning strike idea could actually work. The next move was to attack and capture the port city of Aqaba. So where Jasmine and Aladdin live. The small port of Aqaba, which was surrounded by mountains, would allow the Arabs to shorten their supply lines as well as have a base of operations for launching attacks across southern Syria. The only problem was to get there, they had to cross a waterless, exposed expanse of desert known as El Hul, Arabic for the terror. Like Robespierre. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just a Frenchman in a wig standing out there. Just got the guillotine. Man. We're so good. We've got callbacks to Robespierre, Caligula, probably some of the things I don't remember. Moving on. <laughs> that just kind of trailed off there, petered out a little bit. She's <laughs> just so confident. It's like, hey, ladies, would you like to see my Porsche? It's a rental and I can't actually afford to pay the bill. <laughs> it's got like the rental car sticker on the driver's side. <laughs> Fuck. I didn't want that. You just rolled down the windows. Yeah, it's mine. It's 32 degrees out. Can we roll up the windows? No, 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 baby. baby. We'll be at my house in no time. (laughs) We'll be at the Pussy Murder Castle in no time at all. 
Let me turn up the jazz. It'll make you feel warm. <laughs> By my house, I mean my parents' garage. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> ah, by the time she gets there, it's too late. You know? <laughs> she can't escape now. <laughs> that is not what I meant. I meant she's already she's pot committed. Okay, I got you. It's like, well, might as well no, Chris. see where this goes. <laughs> no, <laughs> bad Chris. I gave two hundred fifty dollars to women's. I can say what I want. <laughs> as soon as they entered Alhul, the men and their camels were hit with a massive headwind that slowed them to a crawl and pummeled them with sand. On the fifth day in Alhul, one of the men became lost when he hopped off his camel to take a piss, and the camel took off running. Against all advice, Lawrence turned back to find the man. He then died in uh, a <laughs> sandstorm. Uh-huh. End of story. See you guys next time. But the cool part was they were playing Sandstorm by Darude the whole time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That would make it like a thousand oh. times worse. Like you're trying to traverse this 150 miles of inhospitable desert and the sand's whipping you in the face and it's just miserable and you're just... I don't actually remember how a sandstorm goes now. <laughs> just, just watch a college football game. They play it five times at every one. Yeah, just the whole fucking time you're in the desert. You're like, please, let me die. I'd rather be the guy that got shot a bunch on the fucking ground when Lawrence was all sickly. Oh, God. Well, no, he found the man and brought him back to the caravan. They pressed on towards Aqaba. And actually, if in the movie, the 1962 classic Academy Award-winning Lawrence in Arabia, Lawrence of Arabia, sorry, uh, when he returns with this man, he's like, praise, they throw a big party, but in real life, when they found him and he brought him back, everybody's like, what the fuck do you risk your life for this dude for? He should have known better. It's kind of our culture. Like, if you fall back in the sandstorm, we're not coming back to find you. You're on your fucking own. And he's like, mm, my bad, guys. I was trying to be a good dude. And they're like, you're fucking asshole, T.E. Lawrence. <laughs> While they were en route, a battle had happened in the town of Fuela. The tribesmen that lived there had attacked a Turkish force outside of town. In response, the Turks rode into Fuela and killed everything that moved, including women and children. In response to that, the Arabs attacked and destroyed the Turkish force. And in response to that, the Turks were sending another 550 men to the city. That Turkish relief force was right in the path of Lawrence and his men's march to Aqaba. What followed was a massacre. Lawrence found the Turkish force near a stream at the base of a mountain pass. His men surrounded the force from above and opened fire. Then, men on camels and horses charged the Turks that were seeking cover. Lawrence tried to join in on the fun, but accidentally shot his own camel in the back of the head and fell to the ground. Wait for me, guys! Here I come! Oh, <laughs> oh hell! <laughs> Finally, he gets a fucking headshot. <laughs> yeah, first try. <laughs> Way to go, getting better. Like, that's terrible fucking trigger discipline, by the way. As you're riding your camel, you got <laughs> finger on the trigger. Just like, hands all tense. <laughs> yeah. Just on the trigger, just almost half pulling it. What could go wrong? I bet you everybody was making fun of him the last time, because that guy he killed on the ground was the first person he'd ever killed. I bet you everybody's making fun of him for how bad it went. He's like, I'm going to get it good this time. I'm ready. Here we go. Gonna do it. I'm going to get, bam, right in the back of the head of the camel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm little Lawrence. This is fun. Weep. Oh, no! <laughs> or maybe the camel was sleeping with his wife. And it's just, you know, you turned your back on him. 
<laughs> that's all it took. You hear that, woman? That's what happens. <laughs> talking to my wife, y'all. Just, just say. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, please don't leave me. <laughs> of the 550 Turks, 100 managed to escape. About 150 were taken prisoner, and about 300 were either dead or dying. Those that were too wounded to walk were left behind by the stream so that they could at least have something to drink while they died very painful deaths. It's mercy. Yeah. Is that a little Casey Kasem sounding I accidentally did there? Well, they died very painful deaths. <laughs> All right. Lawrence and the Arabs raced to Aqaba. The Turkish troops there had not expected any sort of overland attack and were taken by surprise. Plus, the city was sparsely defended and was in dire need of food and supplies. The Turks surrendered the city without hardly firing a shot. Speaking of needing food and supplies, mm-hmm. I think it's time for a break. Yeah, I'm going to go fire off a few shots right now. By food and supplies, I mean liquor. Oh, okay. By firing off a few shots, I'm going to go orgasm a few times. Oh, <laughs> but shots of liquor? <laughs> well, then. Yep. All right, see you in a minute. All right, we are back from break. Had a few shots of alcohol. I didn't actually climax. I'm not physically capable of doing so. Uh, Greg, how was your break? It was good, man. Oh, good. Helped my wife flip over a puzzle mm-hmm. so she could glue it. Oh. You know, like we're 50 years old. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I did. Yeah. She's like, it's 4 p.m. We missed the cutoff for dinner. Uh, you're on your own tonight. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, basically, yeah. I was thinking, and legit thinking this while I was taking a urination break, and it just popped in my head, how these tangents we go on on this show and how strange that is, because in a, maybe not in a million years, but it would take me a long time to guess that, like last week, we did our show on women, on, you know, very badass, heroic women who did brave shit. It would have taken me a long time to picture the idea of somehow... That turns into the episode where Greg says Hitler is great. You know, just just a weird, weird road we go down. God damn you. <laughs> now it's even more out of context than it was last episode. I'm going to do it every episode. He was a, it's the, he was a great figure. <laughs> he was a horrible, awful man. It's awful. It's the new God. He's a piece of shit. It's the new God bless the USA. Just somewhere in every episode, I'm like, hey, remember that time you said Hitler was great? That was pretty weird, right? I'm glad you don't sing God Bless the USA anymore. Don't. God damn. Now it's in your head. Yeah, don't tell no, me. here's a fucking piece of shit. That's what I have to say on the subject. You can't tell me you don't want me to do something because that's all I want to fucking do now. It's just like the whole time you, you go through your part of the outline, I'm just going to be like, just in the background. We need some background music and I, I figure I can take care of that royalty free. Look at my wife when I told her to stop seeing Chad. Oh. She's all about. I thought it was. God damn you, Russell. Then she just wants to see him even more. No, Russell's your oh, your that's boyfriend. The other one. <laughs> Never mind. Oh yeah, that too. I can't keep up with all this shit. I don't know. <laughs> all right, well, let's get back. My to life's that. in ruins. <laughs> ruins, I tell you. Subscribe to the Patreon. Maybe you can help Greg. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's just gonna buy more dildos to keep me preoccupied. <laughs> with the Patreon money. <laughs> Oh, good times. Good times. 
Well, let's get back into this story. All right, just a quick recap to get you guys up to speed. Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence, better known as Ned, Tedward, Edward, Nedward Lawrence, uh, had come to power, risen up. I don't say come to power. He just risen up through the intelligence wing of the British military because he was an expert on all things Arabic. He ventured to Arabia where he joined forces with a, uh, a man named Faisal Hussein, who was leading a Arab revolt against the Turkish Ottoman forces in the area. And after doing so, they had some success. Once Lawrence put his military mind to use and was able to formulate a strategy that worked well with the type of army he was dealing with. When we left you, they had just seized the port of Aqaba in Syria, which gave them a launching point and a uh, kind of base of operations to launch attacks across Syria and hopefully drive the Ottoman Turks out of power. Back in 1916, before Lawrence joined up with Faisal to launch their attacks, the English and the French were already deciding what to do with the Middle East when, not if, they won the war, which in itself was some real putting the balls before the shaft kind of thinking. I like the analogy. You ever tried it? You just start funneling your balls? Yeah, it's it's not comfortable for anybody. I just feel like balls. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it was weird that the British and the French were dividing up their spoils of victory, spoils of war, I guess, as you would say, as a normal human would say. Well, I like that term. You sounded like you just made it up. <laughs> yeah. Spoils of war, you know. I don't, I don't. This sounds good, doesn't it? I bet it's going to catch on. <laughs> No, but it is weird. In 1916, they're not anywhere close to victory. They're getting just battered, just like, you know, the Germans are. No one knows who's going to win this thing. You're like, but when we do win, here's all the shit we're going to take. This is going to be ours right here. It is interesting, especially since you kind of have an agreement to do something else. Yeah. Yeah, just... With somebody that's helping you to achieve that goal. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, fuck those guys. Whatever. It'll be good for them when we're in charge. We'll help them. It'll be fine. Good old racism. Yep. Englishman Mark Sykes and Frenchman Jacques Picot got together and came up with the aptly named Sykes-Picot Agreement. In this agreement, once the war was won, the Ottoman Empire would be broken up. The French would get Syria and Lebanon. The British would get Iraq. Palestine would be a joint English-France-Russia venture so that all three could lay some claim to Jerusalem. The best countries are run by three countries. That's my experience. <laughs> it's like working in middle management. We got three different bosses telling you what to do, and they're all telling you something different. One of them's like, hey, you should uh, back up the czar and Rasputin. He's a pretty badass dude. The other one's like, you should eat this baguette and chop off the heads of some, uh, you know, royals. And the other one's like, look at my fucked up teeth. Let's drink some tea. And you're like, God damn it. What do I do? <laughs> I mean, look at Germany post-World War II. Yeah. It was very good. <laughs> it was very good. Goot. That's how they said it. Goot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you say very. I was going to say muy goot, because that's Spanish. That's God. the old, only other very I know. <laughs> Zer. Zer. Zer goot. Hey! Two thumbs up, brother! That's Russian. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Zangief. <laughs> well, this agreement was signed in secret and stashed away, but our boy Lawrence still found out about it during his time in British intelligence. So, when the English agreed to support the Arabs and give them the lands they conquered, they were lying through their messed up teeth. 
You love that stereotype. I do. I love that stereotype and the fact that they're just so fucking boring in bed. Like, oh, mother. Yes. Mm. Darn. Oh, mother. <laughs> darn, oh. darn my socks. Mm. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have my socks on. I just got out of the shower. <laughs> Let me go put them on real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Lay on your back and only your back. Why, Theragod, you're still fully dressed. <laughs> yes, that's a part of it, mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say something offensive, very politely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Stroke my penis. <laughs> okay, I will, mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old English penis switcheroo. Love it. Lawrence risked being court-martialed for treason when he revealed the details to Faisal, but Faisal remained silent about the agreement. The two men also knew there was a clause in the agreement that said if the Arabs could capture Damascus, they'd get to keep their claims over Syria. Still, most of the world had no clue about the Sykes-Picot agreement, but that didn't stop them, especially the French, from trying to lay claim to the Middle East. We already told you that way back in 1915, 19-aught-15 as we like to say, that's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence wanted to launch an invasion into Alexandretta, but it was shat upon by the French, who couldn't spare the manpower and didn't want to lose their made-up Crusades-era claims to Syria. And all that goes back to, that's what it goes back to. They're like, Syria is ours. Bitch, I dibs that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dibs that back in like, you know, 1400s. You know, it's been 600 years or 500 years at this point, but uh, it's still mine, bro. I still got that. I, <laughs> yeah. I pissed on that rock of Gibraltar. Mine. Mine. Give it to me. Ha-ha. <laughs> Later on, when Lawrence and Faisal were formulating a plan for the Arab Revolt, the French very generously offered to land troops in Yinbo to assist. The whole idea, of course, was to direct the Arabs to the south and keep them out of Syria. Faisal politely refused this offer. And it's kind of like with us, with our podcast, it's Dan the Intro Guy. Just wants all the credit, just wants to show up and add a little bit to the show and then just take all the fucking credit when he's hitting on chicks. Right. You know? He's got like business cards. Yeah. Host of 100 Proof History. No, you do the fucking intro, dude. Yeah, we went drinking that one time and it was the only time we went because, you know, Corona and also, you know, we had a, a bit of a falling out. But we're drinking and he's like, yeah, I kind of I kind of run this history podcast. You guys might have heard of it. And like and the ladies are like hundred proof history. And he's like, how did you know? You read my mind. How you doing, Dan? Host. And I'm like, I'm actually a host. And like, get the fuck away from me, you wart face, lip dick motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always limp. It's not always limp. <laughs> I just have my shorts at my ankles right now, and you can see it. <laughs> I need help pulling it up when I leave the bathroom because I can't see down there, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck you, Classic Dan. Yeah. He's so handsome, though. That's why we don't hang out. But in 1917, when the Russian Empire fell and the Bolsheviks came to power, go listen to uh, Rasputin if you haven't already. Go ahead. Go do it. They said, Hey, look at these capitalist fucks. I also did the Italian hand gesture, so I'm just all over the fucking map right now. Oh, no. And they released the details of the Sykes-Picot Agreement to the world. The Turks hoped this would turn the Arabs to their side, but uh, Mark Sykes was able to meet with Sharif Hussein and convince him that everyone had it wrong. See? Here's the deal, guys. 
Not a big deal. Just some fake news. France only gets Syria as a protectorate as long as the British were a protectorate of, you know, old Iraq. Then everybody just has to leave. Once we're done, they're done. It's over, man. No, no big deal. We're, we're just double teaming you. But once one of us finishes, hey, we're both out of here. All right. Cool. Cool. Money will be on the nightstand. Of course, he didn't mention that the Brits had no intention of ever fucking leaving Iraq. But Hussein calmed down and kept the Arabs on the English side. And if all of that wasn't enough, at some point the English decided they'd keep control of Palestine all to themselves. To do this, Mark Sykes enlisted the aid of the leading Zionist Jewish leaders who were looking to build a Jewish homeland, and together they took advantage of a genocide, an actual genocide, to make up their own genocide. In case you didn't know it, or in case you're Turkish and you won't fucking admit it, in the early stages of the war, the Ottoman Turks began to massacre the Armenians within the empire. And that drives me crazy, man. That one drives mm. me crazy. It's very weird. We've posted, uh, we did an episode on Vlad the Impaler and his main enemy were the Ottoman Turks as well. You know, basically, right. basically 500 years before this story takes place. Uh, but that's like, for some reason, the memes we posted about that are like our most popular on Instagram. Like every other day we're getting likes on something we posted like eight months ago. But that's also the ones we get the most comments on saying, oh yeah, it's real funny to kill Turks, isn't it? Like, oh, okay, go ahead and admit your genocide, asshole. Yeah, let's see how, let's turn this table. Yeah, and despite the overwhelming evidence, it sucks that our country won't officially, you know, condemn them for not recognizing it. Yeah. It, like, we're, they, they try to play this political ground of, since they're our ally, being like, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't officially recognize it either, but we don't yeah. say it's, it's fake. It's like, what? What the fuck? Yeah. Kind of like how we're allies with Saudi Arabia. Fuck them. Yeah, for sure. If we do an episode on 9-11, you'll find out why we want to fuck them, too. Fast forward to 1917, when the governor of Syria decided to evacuate the town of Jaffa prior to a perceived British invasion. During this event, two Jews of the 20,000 that lived there were hanged for theft. Sykes and a Zionist named Aaron Aronson, fake as fuck name, I'm just going to say it. I mean, he was a spy, so it's probably a fake name. But come up with... It's like... Look at this, ladies. I'm number one in the phone book. Aaron Aronson. Nice to meet you. How you doing? When you're looking for a regular fuck buddy, you go through the phone book like every normal lady. Alphabetical. Hand starts going down. A-A. Oh, well, what about the last name? A-A. Oh, it's gotta be him. It's meant to be. I'm gonna let him penis me. <laughs> well, Sykes and Aaron A. Aronson created a lie that the Jews were being slaughtered and driven from Jaffa. The world bought it hook, Sike. line. <laughs> ah! I would, yeah, if my name was Sykes, I'd do that the whole time. I'd just tell lies my entire, ah, Syke! They're like, oh, this, this guy, this clever son that of a bitch. That should be Wanda Sykes' whole stand-up routine. <laughs> it should just be, say something that isn't true, and then yeah. be like, Syke! I'm sure she'd be more successful than she is already. I'm really funny. Psych! <laughs> Just kidding. I'm angry and perturbed about everything. That's my get up. Psych! <laughs> These are my opinions, by the way. Please don't sue me, Wanda Sykes. Bring it on. Bring I actually it think on. You're, you're kind of funny in movies and stuff sometimes. She is funny. She's actually a funny lady. Hey, boo. <laughs> Hit me up in the comments. Yeah. She'd be like, you want to see... You're a regular MILF. Yeah. 
She's going to meet you at the jazz bar, take you back to the hotel room, start undressing. She's like, you first. I want to see it. You undress. She pulls out her cell phone, takes a snap. She yells, psych! And runs out the door. Psych! (laughs) (laughs) Well, the world bought that lie that Sykes and Harrison had proposed about this fake genocide. They bought it hook, line, and sinker. And support for a Jewish nation grew. Later that same year, the British Foreign Secretary issued a declaration that the British supported turning Palestine into a national home for the Jewish people, and that they should do whatever they could to make it happen. So now, you have the Arabs, who had been sacrificing their lives to fight the Turks, and they knew not only was there a plan in place to deny them of their united Arab empire that they had fought to claim, but also part of it was going to be given entirely to the Jewish people. And guys, if you don't know your history, Arabs and Jews... They have some clashes. They don't usually get along to her. Yeah. Just a few, you know, little tiffs. Huh. Over parking space and trees growing over on their side of the fence line. You know, just (laughs) little stuff like that. Neighbor shit. (laughs) Yeah. And yet, the Arabs still fought on the side of the English. Well, a part of that was reassurance from the English themselves. They claimed the media was fake news and was overblowing the declarations and that nothing was really settled. They are also paying the Arabs handsomely to fight, and the Arabs had no real love for the Turks. But what might have swayed them the most is the fact that the war in Europe was going super shittily for the English and the French, and any idea they might win seemed like a pipe dream at the end of 1917. So, it's likely they envisioned themselves destroying the Turkish forces, while the English and the French lost the war, allowing the Arabs to keep the land they'd captured. Not a bad plan. Now, how did old Tedward Edward and Edward Lawrence feel about this? He felt like he was doing his duty to England, but he felt really shitty about what he expected to happen to his Arabic friends. He would go on to say, Thug saw me as a free agent of the British government and demanded from me an endorsement of its written promises. So I had to join the conspiracy. Had I been an honest advisor of the Arabs, I'd advise them to go home and not risk their lives fighting for such stuff. Nailed it. boy. (laughs) Yeah, man. Nailed it. (laughs) That's exactly what T.E. Lawrence sounded like. Everybody knows that, Gregory. Jesus. Still, Lawrence and Faisal continued to lead the men into battle and experienced the horrors of war. Mmm, the good old horrors of war. (laughs) Just following them around the desert. Hey, baby! (laughs) (laughs) I know you need that sweet release. Mm. They start fighting. This is my corner of the desert, bitch. You get back. They start <laughs> whipping each other with their purses. <laughs> one takes off a high heel, stabs the other one in the temple. <laughs> Ooh, sex workers, hilarious. Pimp rides up on a camel <laughs> and just starts slapping them all. <laughs> what are you doing? Get back to work. <laughs> Oh, I know this isn't all you've made. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. You pocketing that shit? Where's the rest, bitch? <laughs> this entire Arab army's walking past in their their uh, the head dressing and the full, you know, gown. Mm-hmm. And they're just out there in their thigh high boots with the fishnets and cut off jeans. <laughs> <laughs> pimp just causing a straight kerfuffle in front of everyone. Yeah, he rides up and he's a nineteen seventies pimp with the the velvet hat with a feather sticking out of him. <laughs> He rides up in a fucking Coupe de Ville <laughs> past all the camels. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
history. Ugh. Later, the Eastern Front would be considered a quote-unquote clean war. <laughs> hey, clean boys. Hey, clean boy. But that was only because it was being compared to the shit-butts Western Front, which was nothing but a human meat grinder. Mmm. Mm. Delicious. Grinder, Chris, not human meat sucker. Oh, I just saw grinder. <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> let me. Yeah, this grinder has an E in it. Oh, let me reinstall is all I was thinking. But no, okay. Never Human mind. meat grinder. <laughs> oh. I started drooling. I had to stop podcasting for a second. My mouth was so. <laughs> but in the East, men died in great numbers and they were left to rot in the sand, which takes longer in desert climates. Fun fact for everybody. Yep. Prisoners were hardly taken because no one could take care of them in the desert, and so surrendering men were typically executed on the spot. In fact, it was considered a kindness to strip a prisoner naked, slice open the soles of his feet, and force him to crawl to safety. And I guess, hey, at least then you weren't the guy who actively killed him, right? Hardly seems like a kindness. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, we didn't kill It's just like before where they shot all those guys and left them by the spring. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you're going to have it. Have some water. Make it feel better. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit over here. And As you're losing all that blood, you're going to get real fucking dry mouth. But we've left you with a plentiful supply of fresh water. Yep. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. Bye now. Well, Lawrence turned despondent and borderline suicidal. He wrote to his friend that he had thoughts of hopping on a camel and seeing how many Turks he could kill in Damascus by himself before he was gunned down. Just suicide by cup right there. Just take him out. I'm just a whittle guy. They can't hit me. Whee! That's my theory on warfare. On my fucking rocket camel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what sounds a camel makes. Like a... Yeah. <laughs> Moving its fucking nasty lips all around. <laughs> I hate this fucking life too. <laughs> he's actually smoking a pack of camels while he's standing there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this fucking tiny ass fuck wants to ride my back into war. What the fuck? He's probably gonna shoot me in the back of the head just like he did old Bessie. Oh, Bessie! He's, <laughs> he's like a rebelling teenager camel, so he's smoking Marlboros. <laughs> Son! Well, I'm not comfortable in my own camel skin. <laughs> he's a self hating camel. <laughs> yeah. Son, we're a camel's family. I like filters, Dad. You can't change me, old man. Go fuck yourself. In 1917, Lawrence took a handful of troops to blow up the Yarmouk Bridge against advice from everyone. He wired the bridge to blow, but the wiring came loose, so he just smiled and waved at the Turkish train as it passed by. And like, he's literally out in the open, like just this dude in his fucking burqa. Like, hey, failed smile, <laughs> I guess. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Please don't shoot me. Hey, hey, guys. Let's go. <laughs> The next day he tried again, but from only 50 yards away, and he was knocked silly when the explosives actually did go off. When he stood up, he saw that he was bloody, and his clothes had been torn to shreds, and next to him was half of a <laughs> dead Turk. He limped back to safety. Shit, man. Things couldn't possibly get any worse for old T.E. Lawrence. And things were about to get much worse for old T.E. Lawrence. Oh, fuck. <laughs> The next target was the railway complex in the town of Dura. Lawrence wanted good intelligence on the complex, so he did the best thing he could think of. He walked right the fuck inside. Hiding in plain sight. I like it. 
He was promptly captured. Oh, well, fuck. Yeah, he's... <laughs> you hear the expression sticking out like a sore thumb. This is basically me walking onto the set of a Tyler Perry movie. Like, oh, oh hello. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here, am I, fellas? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what happened next is still debated to this day. According to Lawrence, he was taken before the governor of Dara, Hajim Mahutin. Hajim dismissed the guards and wrestled Lawrence to the bed, but Lawrence was able to wriggle free. Hajim called the guards back in, who stripped Lawrence naked, at which point T.E. Lawrence sent his knee flying into Hajim's nutsack. Hajim then went into a rage, kissing and spitting on Lawrence, biting him on the neck until he bled, and then pinched up a fold of Lawrence's skin and pierced it with a bayonet. The guards then dragged Lawrence away and tortured him, and maybe sodomized him before throwing him in the hospital, at which point... Lawrence escaped. Some historians speculate that Hajim sexually assaulted Lawrence before releasing him. Some speculate that it was a consensual encounter and the torture story was invented by Lawrence to explain his absence. And the technical term for this is post-nut clarity. <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, what do I tell my wife? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was carjacked. Oh fuck, now I gotta drive my car into the lake. Fuck, ah! Uh. Oh no! It was just kid stuff. <laughs> if you if you tell anybody, they'll kick us out of the Mormon church, and we can't, uh, you know, we can't deal with that. So let's just let it go. <laughs> let it go. Some think it was something that never actually happened, and he made it up to spice up the Seven Pillars of Wisdom, his autobiography, for his reading audience. But according to Lawrence, this was a major event and only furthered his depression. From that point on, he always traveled with a small army of personal bodyguards. And they always had no shirts, and they were covered <laughs> in baby oil, and they were all ripped with ass. <laughs> oh, man. Fantastic. Now, I do wonder about this one because he, I mean, he does the English thing where he's kind of like hinting at what happens through this story when he's in the Seven Pillars. Right. He's like, they took from me the only thing no one should ever take is like human dignity or whatever. But then he Right, and he never talks about the specifics of... Yeah. Which, you know... I'm reading this hand on member, you know, <laughs> fully torqued. Give me and I'm some. Like, just say it. Just say. Come on. Just come say on, sodomized, just say so I can finish. <laughs> you know, but and, but they didn't. And he does talk about them whipping him, and this kind of this is what leads people to think about the the masochism that maybe he was a masochist. Uh, he does talk about them beating him, and he's like, a warmth filled me, perhaps sexual, you know, that spread throughout my whole body, and they're like. Oh, he, he he was into this. He was in. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, that is something that, you know, man, I, I'm trying to say this as delicately as possible, but a lot of um, victims of sexual assault or people that have been hurt in some way sexually, that's how some kinks do develop is it's them trying to take control back over that. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so afterwards, you know, when people talked about like, he liked, you know, that one guy to whip him or whatever post-war, that could have been a way for him to take control back over that emotion, back over that feeling. That makes sense. That doesn't make sense. I'm yeah. no psychologist, but, you know, I've read a book or two. <laughs> and what I if I... pamphlet once. What have I been paying you for if you're not a psychologist? You're not licensed? You're just getting all this shit oh, no, I'm... for your own fucking jollies, aren't you? You're like, <laughs> let's see what he is. Oh, Will oh. that end to blackmail you in the future? We'll see what I have to say about that after uh, we reveal old Mr. Gets Off to the Jolly Green Giant 
saying ho 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 has to say <laughs> Got in the middle of the grocery store mm-hmm. just in the frozen section it's like oh save this for later why does that man have a quilt over his car <laughs> don't look son don't look and he's thrusting violently <laughs> you widen out the uh the cage of the cart enough to put a flashlight in there <laughs> Jesus. That's stupid. I hate what we've become. (laughs) It's funny, though. (laughs) Well, back to the story. T.E. Lawrence and his fighters then attacked and surrounded a Turkish force of 1,000 men at Tefilla. Hey. Tefilla. (laughs) Tefilla what? (laughs) Tefilla butthole, you know what I'm saying? Tefilla in the blank. You tell us, listener. What are we filling up? Leave it below in the comments. (laughs) Hey. He said nothing as his men massacred the Turks who had tried to surrender. He just pressed onward. He was, he was still laughing about the town's name. <laughs> he's like, like he's, <laughs> he's doubled over on his camel. He's like, Tefilla! <laughs> men are dying in the background. Tefilla! <laughs> There's so many directions I can go with this. <laughs> hey, Habib, get this! And Habib's just getting bayoneted in the background. Okay, not you. <laughs> not you. Hey, Fasal! Hey! To fill a butthole. He's like, I was like, ha, 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 ha. nice one. <laughs> Let me ride my camel he over there. Back to, <laughs> he goes back to Habib. He's like, no, no, Habib, you're right. To fill your heart with steel. <laughs> nice bayonet yes! joke for you. Yes. <laughs> he just, <laughs> air- Rest in peace, you stupid idiot. <laughs> He's air fives was all across the desert. <laughs> 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 Shortly after that, one of Lawrence's closest friends and aides, Faraj, was gravely wounded when he tried to rush a Turkish position. Doggy style. When Lawrence found Faraj, he knew he was dying, but knew that if the Turks found Faraj still alive, they'd torture him before killing him. And so, Lawrence knelt down beside his dear, sweet friend and blew his brains the hell damn out with a revolver. When Lawrence returned to camp and found people arguing over who got to inherit Faraj's camel, Lawrence pulled out his pistol and shot the camel dead. That night, the men feasted on camel meat. Old T.E. seems to have a penchant for head blood. And that's not to be confused with Bloodhead, which was an early 90s gangsta-inspired homosexual pornographic film. (laughs) I did not know that. We're all learning something. That one was only to be outdone by Crips Dicks (laughs) 2. I don't don't know if these are real. They sound real. They don't sound like something you'd make up for humor. No, not at all. <laughs> I have several things about this this incident. First, I feel like if I had, you know, we talked about it before on one of the episodes, I stubbed my toe and I call in the guys I paid as medics. I feel like if you were there, you'd be the guy kneeling over me with a pistol with my stubbed toe. And you're like, sorry, old friend, it's time to go. It's time to end this. <laughs> Look at the rabbits, Lenny. <laughs> exactly what happened. Second of all, they feasted on camel meat. What did they do with the farage meat? That's what I want to know. Probably buried it. Oh. Not everyone's a fucking cannibal. <laughs> oh. Well, then I don't care about the story anymore. Go ahead. Continue. That's a waste. What a waste. <laughs> you know how delicious human meat is? And I'm not just talking about penis, Greg. The whole thing. The whole magilla. <laughs> These guys weren't starving. It was just he killed the the camel. It's like, oh well, okay, guess guess it's steaks tonight. Yeah, he's real good at killing camels. Like he's proven that. He's like, all right, 
Finally, old Ted Edward Edwards Lawrence's time to shine. Here we go. Just <laughs> well, further west of T.E. Lawrence's position, the British army was finally having success against the Turks, even if it was slow going. Together with the English, a plan was formulated. The Brits and Australian would push north along the west towards Damascus. In the east, the Arabs would travel along the railroad line and fuck up any attempt by the Turks to reinforce Damascus from Daraa. They regrouped in Aqaba and then headed north once more. Along the way, they blew up any and every bridge they came across. Lawrence had learned a method of disabling the bridge so that it wasn't completely destroyed, but would take a lot of time and energy to fix, and he put it to good use. Yeah, so basically he'd just ride up on his camel and say mean things about the bridge. Hey, bridge! You're looking really fat in that pantsuit today, and the bridge is like, oh. And it would go into a depression, and the train would go down, but not be able to come up the other side? Yeah, and then the therapist would have, okay. to, have to come in and it's like, listen, your self-worth is not tied to what people say about you. It's about what you feel. You look great, Bridge. you got to realize that. You're doing the best you can. And the bridge is like, ah, feeling better. Yeah. And the train can grow. And then the therapist is like, Oh, there's actually a space in my name. It's not therapist. <laughs> oh, no. It's the rapist. <laughs> and then it made the bridge feel bad all over and again. And the bridge is like, new trauma? No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not a funny joke. It was, we don't agree with that joke. It was funny when you stole it from uh, uh, Saturday Night Live Jeopardy with Sean Connery, who couldn't read therapists as a Okay, so like that joke can never be done again because no, it was done once in the no, 90s? No, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, as they approached the village of Tafas, they found civilians hiding in the tall grass. The villagers told Lawrence that the Turks had stormed the place and had massacred everyone. And he was like, uh, oh, okay, well, what are you doing here? Obviously, I didn't massacre everyone. Like, God damn, this guy's pedantic. Jesus Christ, seriously? Everyone in the goddamn borders of the village, you piece of shit. <laughs> I live out we'll do something. I live outside city limits, okay? They killed everyone I'm in else. The suburbs. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're missing the point, Lawrence. Well no, I want I want to discuss this. Let's let's yeah. make things clear. Yeah, let's Fuck <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Is there someone else I can talk to? Nope, it's me, buddy. <laughs> I am the man. I didn't literally eat a million Skittles, okay? <laughs> God. Don't feel like this needs an explanation. You know what? It's a party. There are people around. I just feel like you need to be clear about what's happening here. You know, you can't just make shit up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the world runs on a set of rules, and you are violating them. <laughs> Fuck, get out! Get out! We'll just continue to be massacred. Doesn't deal with you. You're a little anyway. Fucking, who sent the Oompa Loompa over here? <laughs> Cricking my fucking neck looking down towards you. <laughs> and you're on a camel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> He's just swinging from the camel's teat. Hold on! Yeah! God save the queen! <laughs> Lawrence immediately ordered an attack and said that there should be no prisoners in an eloquent fashion, you know, as, as they're wont to do. By saying, the best of you brings me the most Turkish dead. The best of you brings me the best Turkish dead. <laughs> Basically. What followed was another massacre of epic proportions. The Arabs surrounded the 2,000 Turks and divided them into three groups, and went on to kill them one by one. The slaughter would last for two days with the villagers arriving to join in on the fun, 
One of the Arab units didn't get the No Surrender memo and had taken 250 men as captives. When Lawrence arrived, he had the machine guns mow down the entirety of those prisoners. Following the massacre, Lawrence had one goal for himself and for Faisal's Arabs. Damascus. Even though it was supposed to be the British that took the city, Lawrence pushed onward anyway. When they arrived on October 1st, 1918, they found that the Turks had already run away screaming. The city was unguarded, and it was a race between Lawrence, the Brits, and the Australians to capture it. Lawrence actually came in last, but he was the first one to install a governor, his Arab BFF, Faisal. Meanwhile in Europe, Germany was on the edge of defeat. There were a lot of reasons for this, and they would make an excellent standalone show, so instead of actually explaining it, we'll just pander to our audience and say the United States of fucking America swooped in and saved the day. And I'm proud to be an American. No! The no! The Jets scream overhead, show! Well, at least I know I'm free. And the banner is hung from the battleship, and we did it. Mission accomplished. On November 11th, 1918, World War I officially came to an end. Now it was time to decide what to do with the defeated and destroyed Ottoman Empire. Lawrence and Faisal went to Paris to participate in the peace talks, and their speeches of tales and glory were so passionate and so moving that the English and French ignored them completely, and basically went with what they had come up with in the Sykes-Picot Agreement. Faisal was made governor of the now French-controlled Syria and started another revolt, but was soundly defeated and exiled by the French. In Baghdad, the Iraqi Arabs immediately started an uprising against British rule. And in Palestine, the Arabs attacked the Jewish settlers and attempted to wrestle back the land they viewed as stolen. This is a story that continues to this very day. What? Things are getting better? What? (laughs) Dejected and ashamed, T.E. Lawrence just went back home to England. He was given two medals by King George, but when he came to the ceremony, he told George he didn't want his fucking medals, and he could shove them up his imperial asshole, but, you know, of course, in a more polite, more professional, more British manner. Yeah, he did that thing where he sticks out his hand to shake your hand, and then you reach out for it, and he does the, oh, too slow, and he runs it through his hair. He's like, ha ha, suck it, King George. I feel like that is very American. (laughs) (laughs) During his time in the Middle East, Lawrence had become a widely known celebrity. An American reporter had written heroic stories about him and had dubbed him Lawrence of Arabia, and obviously the name stuck. Still, Lawrence, who had grown up wanting to be a hero, hated the praise he received for what he felt like was a betrayal of his brothers in arms. You know, the whole Sykes-Picot agreement and fighting for basically these people to have their own land. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder why he felt that way. Yeah. He fell into a quiet life and in 1922 joined up with the RAF, the Royal Air Force, under a fake name. He was found out and then used another fake name to join with the army and eventually transferred back to the RAF. In the early 1930s, Britain's future prime minister, Winston Churchill, asked Lawrence to advise him on how to stabilize the Middle East, which had been in a constant state of war since the end of World War I. And uh, that's also hasn't changed, so Oof. sorry. Oh my god, you're depressing me. Well, that's largely due to fucking World War I. <laughs> Lawrence agreed and presented another plan that would make more sense than the arbitrary lines drawn up by the Mark Sykes and Jacques Pico agreement. Lawrence agreed and presented another plan that would make more sense than the arbitrary lines drawn up by Mark Sykes and Jacques Pico. As a result, Faisal was made the first president of Iraq, 
which is a country that still prospers to this very day. Nothing bad ever happened. Yay. Just kidding. (laughs) The fighting in the region continued, and Lawrence retired to a quiet life in the country. All his life, T.E. Lawrence sought out adventure and did things his own way. He proved to be a brilliant military mind and a fearless warrior who endured the greatest horrors that war had to offer. And despite his ultimate failure as a promoter of Arab independence, he continued to seek the next great adventure. On May 11, 1935, Lawrence was riding his motorcycle at full throttle when he swerved to avoid a couple of boys on their bicycles. He was thrown from the motorcycle and landed on his head. He fell into a coma and died six days later. In the end, the only real lesson that any of this should have taught you is always wear your helmet. End of story. Woo! Yeah! Yeah, we did! Yeah! Yeah! Well, Gregory, it is time for Arabia's favorite segment, Surprises slash Misconceptions You Might Have Had About This Story. Okay. My main one, I didn't know a whole lot about T.E. Lawrence other than basically his Wikipedia. Yeah. But I was surprised to learn that, uh, you know, after all of this, he was actually going to be knighted. Yeah. And. Turned it down. Straight up just uh, turned it down. Yep. Which is very unusual. I was like, what? <laughs> and the book was like, yeah. Was like, oh, oh. <laughs> And that is my surprise. Okay. What about you? Mine is just how utterly and totally depressing this fucking story is. Uh, (laughs) Like, you know, I didn't know much about him before we started researching. What do you mean, war is hell? Yeah, he was a a hero. I knew that much. He was a big deal. And we start researching it. I'm like, oh, he did all these great things. He was a badass, you know, leading these armies and such. And then he just totally got fucked over by his government. It was basically just teaching me the lesson that we have no power in life, Greg. We're just at the whims of everyone else. Why fucking try? I'm going to go kill myself. Thanks for listening. We are pawns. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Anyway. But pretty pretty cool story. Just kind of being a, a leader and a, definitely a hero for yeah. the non-Ottoman Empire sympathizing Arabs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. He he was a badass and he was well-meaning and he did things to help the people who fought alongside him, it, you know, where it went along, it went against the uh, country he but, was actually born in. Yeah. But yeah, everything that happened here, we're still seeing the effects of today in the Middle East. Absolutely. Yeah. It has been destabilized as a region. Yeah. Ever since this. And the our main source actually makes a really good point. It's like, listen, if if Lawrence gets his way and the Arabs get to keep their land and Palestine is never established as a Jewish it's, homeland. It's different. Yeah, it's different, but we don't know how different. And all these tribes start fighting each other. Like you start seeing the civil wars that are happening in these countries. They're divided along tribal lines. And so these countries are being divided into two, three, four pieces just based on the troubled lands. Yes. And so it is different. We don't know how much, you know, different. We don't know how much conflict there is we never will know and that's probably the shame of the whole thing all right boys and girls again visit us 100proofhistory.com check it out it's got links to all the social media it's got the patreon links all the old episodes the hangover episodes we release every monday exclusive to the sexy sexy patreon users so Mm. sexy 
Oh, you oh. Patreon members just mm. 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 Get it go. you get it going for us. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Um, join that contest that Chris mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Again, that's on 100proofhistory.com. Check it out. Throw in an entry. It's free to free to throw the name in the old proverbial hat. No, it's a literal hat. I'm collecting thousands of names inside these hats. Sucks for the guy. It's a big old. It's like a ten gallon cowboy hat. It sucks for the guy who entered first because his name's at the bottom. Sorry, you're not winning. Sorry, <laughs> we're not mixing them up at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> whatever name goes in last, best chance. Yep. Honestly. So go ahead. Go in. It's the fluffiest of the folded papers. (laughs) You know, all the other ones are compressed down. But yeah, uh, that'd be the story. That'd be the end of the podcast. I love you. And I will see you some other time. Maybe. (laughs) Bye. I said, oh God, because I hate Green Day. (laughs) Oh, I do too. I hate him more than you do. Okay, <laughs> you win. <laughs> huh, I was just fooling you. I hate them less than you do. Ah, damn it! <laughs> Stupid uh, idiot! I still ah, s- got him again. Got him again. I still somehow lose. <laughs> <laughs> you lose and you got got. <sighs> Go commit seppuku now. <laughs> penis. Oh, I love <sighs> penis used like in inappropriate contexts. You yeah. know. Like it's yeah. Instead of saying, "Why don't you fucking suck my penis?" Then (laughs) who says that? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) My penis is very rigid right now. (laughs) It's engorged with blood. (laughs) Let us commence with the intercourse. Don't even talk to me like that, you small penis motherfucker. (laughs) Small penis motherfucker. Like you're afraid to say cuss words in the first part of the sentence. That's like a doctor, a medical doctor calling <laughs> yeah. somebody, a mother, you small penis motherfucker, well, your fucking tight ass vas deference keeping your balls all high up on your body like a little kid. <laughs> the, <laughs> but if the doctor says it, I think it lands, because he's like, this guy fucking knows. <laughs> this guy, he said, you small penis motherfucker, he's like, that guy's got a small dick, because the doctor said it, you know? <laughs> I took A&P three bitch ass fucking small penis ass motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is science. That's <laughs> true, nice. yeah. I like how it's like my wife's going to buy more dildos, and then it's to keep me preoccupied <laughs> so that she can cheat on me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just going to sit there like a little kid. Yeah.